I don't really know what I believe, and I don't think I care. Because if you have no need, you have no reason to listen to the gospel. A full-time vocational minister. <laughs> there are a lot of people who are like more progressively Christian or grew up more progressive who are able to reconcile some of those things with their faith because they're not taught the world is black or white and those are your two options. Christianity is like a Jenga tower. Once you remove the bottom, the bottom blocks, the whole thing comes crumbling down. Yeah. And, like, we're never going to understand an all-powerful deity. Hey, my name's Elijah. And I'm Collier. And you are listening to the Hopefully Wandering Podcast. It's a podcast of two uh, former evangelical uh, worship leaders who have since seen the light, um, as Rapunzel and Tango said, and have come to... Uh, a much more broad perspective on religion, uh, lifestyle choices, their philosophies on the world, and now have just embraced the wandering of life. And all this goes to say, it's a great form for Collier and I to get on a podcast and crackhead together and just expound ideas that we've just kind of been, you know, uh, thinking about. Yeah, you know, we, we cut our hair. We've hit some people with some with skillets and pots. Yeah, grown our hair um, back out. <laughs> grown our hair back out again. Yeah, yeah. We found a, a smoldering man and lit up some candles, sent them in the air. Did, did you ever do that, actually, the, uh, the, the um, tangled uh, oh, lights, oh, the, the, yeah. the lanterns? No, I never a, have. There was like one or two years there where I went to like four different birthday parties that had those those no, lanterns. No, like, they did which not. Which are horrible for the environment because they just go up and then come down. <laughs> on, they come down somewhere. Just set shit on fire. <laughs> We're just sending like paper and plastic and stuff just like out. Oh no. <laughs> that is so bad. What if they caught something on fire? I know, yeah. I'm like, what if the fire isn't out by the time it lands? Like, I, I would not doubt that those parties um, cause some fires sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but as Elijah said, we started this podcast because uh, uh, we hate God, you know? We, 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 we be- yeah, we believe he exists because everyone does, but we hate him. So, therefore, we are going to talk shit about him and pretend that we are atheists. Do you see that clip of uh of Tim Allen arguing like talking about uh arguing with his daughter about God? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what does he say? Um there has to be a god for you to not believe in. Motherfucker, no there doesn't. <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> The funniest like TikTok stitch I saw to that was somebody being like, "Bro, you play Santa Claus." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude, what is up with this stuff? I know. Yeah, like <laughs> there, there are some uh, decent, you know, logical and philosophical, uh, yeah. ontological or whatever, you know, arguments for God. Um, but that but ain't one of them. That one? <laughs> that's just like, yeah. 
It's like Jordan Peterson. It's just like flipping some wordplay to make yourself yeah. sound smart. Yeah, he didn't even use the the blind watchmaker. He just went like, just, just, it's just a missed high five with that argument. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like a new a new level of like low. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, call your. I mean, but, but it, you? it's probably better than God's not dead. So. Okay, that is true. <laughs> Why do you hate God, Professor? Because he took everything from me. <sighs> Sorry, that's that's like my favorite movie. Um yeah. quick tangent. We uh we showed um we showed our friend April's boyfriend those movies because he was not raised. No. Um he was not raised in the church and he really wants to watch the rest of them now. <laughs> we we watched I think we watched that movie and we watched uh, Facing the Giants and some of those. How <laughs> so those I've movies. not watched any Christian movies after like rejecting my religion okay my evangelical beliefs what were they like now i mean so funny honestly especially um well the god's not dead ones are like very like have a ton of just like blatant like racism and like weird what um yeah there's like a whole storyline with this uh with this muslim um convert to christianity and it's like it's meant to evoke emotions, you know, but it's like very, very racist. Um, and the 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 ones from that that church that does facing the giants and courageous and fireproof and all that or something, right? Yeah, those ones are so fucking funny. I love it. That that's the first one we showed Ben, and he was he loved it. Like we were we were like having a good time. It's hilarious because like the, the the moral of the story is that God sends a wind to help the kicker kick the field goal to win the high school football game. I forgot. Like that's the big climax is that <laughs> is that they pray that they're going to win the football game. So God sends a wind to help the football kicker. And then he makes a sterile, sterile couple get pregnant too. That's the other climax. Um, the, the, the yeah, it's moment. a climax. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, dude, dude, I just, God helps the football team, but then God also allows starving children to die every day, so, you know. Yeah, and like, in those movies, they have, they show people in in horrible situations of suffering, and I'm like, so, so you're acknowledging that people are going through really hard times, and God just like, doesn't help some people. I mean, it's yeah. basically a, a name it, claim it gospel, I guess, of like God helps those who are faithful to him. So, uh, so, so God's just, God's going to say, screw you to all the suffering people that don't have faith, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of message are they like putting out there then? Like, are they, are they, attributing to our deconstruction unknowingly (laughs) no honestly yeah like that um listening to uh bart airman talk about what drove him from the faith because he was a textual critic and says that um the textual criticism is not what drove him from the faith like he was able to reconcile the contradictions and the um 
the shoddy like historical tracings that we have that the very finite small tiny amount of uh manuscripts that we actually have you know like he was he was like i got all that and that didn't make me not christian he attributes being or starting to lose his faith to like basically that type of theology he was like how can a god uh grant someone a parking spot but allow children who are calling his name every day to die and starve of malnutrition you know like like that was one of his biggest um hang-ups with christianity and i agree i mean like you can say this bad theology but it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to get around that theology with the conventional evangelicalism for sure yeah i mean i think it was a genetically modified skeptic video that was talking with like other textual critics and Mm -hmm. like high, high level um, biblical researchers. And they're like, once you get to like that academic level, like bar airmen, people like that, you can't look at it the same. It (laughs) parts the veil in a way that like, you can't put the cat back in the box once you get there. So no, totally, totally. Yeah. I, I'm curious. And I know th- like, so, so Bart like studied under Bruce Metzger who, um, I'm not familiar. I mean, with that I, one. I found that name because, uh, um, Boyce in Southern seminary. Yeah. Um, used like some of his books. He has a lot of books on, there's one really popular one called how to choose a Bible. It's like a little pamphlet that talks about the differences in translations, like modern ones like ESV. And yes. Yes. And ASV and NIV, you know, those ones. Um, and so Bruce Metzger is, I don't know exactly his denomination, but he's reformed Christian, probably Baptist theology. And he still adheres to that. I I don't know if he adheres to the doctrine of inerrancy. Probably not because he has seen all the stuff in textual criticism, you know? So I doubt he, uh, I doubt he ascribes to inerrancy, but like th- th- there are ways to keep your faith, um, and have that knowledge but you can't you can't hold on to like the literalism and inerrancy doctrine if you if you know about how scripture was formed you know and you know about like a uh, textual criticism yeah that's that's really true man like even uh, uh dan mcclellan um on tiktok and youtube and a podcast G. now a G. yeah i believe he's a part of the uh of the lds church you know and he's still I mean, I don't think definitely doesn't hold to most of the problematic parts of Mormonism, but he's a member of the LDS faith for whatever reason. And like he has he doesn't really get super into that, um, like the reasons that he keeps his faith, but he does, you know, and he clearly questions a, a hell of a lot about both Mormon doctrine and and the Bible. And he understands a lot about how little we know. So like it's definitely possible to keep your f- faith in a way, but it's it's gotta change, and that's something that people are uncomfortable with is like changing their faith. I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I think our friend Tom really opened my eyes up to that topic, because Tom's like, you know, I can choose to still be Christian and support Christianity from the sense that it provides a sense of hope and 
morality if you take out a lot of the problematic and literalism bits um mm. in like a world of bleakness and that that's really hard sure. for me to process because I'm coming from such a different perspective but like some people just need something to hold on to and yeah yeah that's that's hard for me like I god this sounds so fucking christian but like I wrestle with that that's hard no, for sure. Yeah. But some people need it. Yeah. No, and I don't <clears throat> like I don't think it's a um it's a matter of like better or worse brains and personalities and beliefs as much as it is different, you know, because like you said some people need that. And and I don't think that it's like I don't I don't believe that they're inferior for needing that, you know? Um it can <laughs> sometimes it can like be tempting to think that like I'm superior because I don't have to like hold on to that crutch or whatever. But like, I know there's plenty of things that I hold on to that are irrational and whatever. Um, and, and I'm not saying that like holding on to God is, is irrational completely at, at all. Like I, I, I think it can be perfectly rational depending on how you do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's great that there are differences in the way that people's brains and beliefs and everything work because like I, that doesn't appeal to me as much holding on to the Christianity of it, because like you said, I think both of us, you know, it's, it's hard for us to separate the indoctrination um, just from, I guess our personalities, how we were raised and everything. It's hard to separate like the firm idea of what we've always believed God in Christ is. Um, like that's why for me, I, I don't keep the Christian, even on the days that I lean a lot more spiritual and religious I still don't really, you know, lean as much Christian because to just in my mind that requires like <clears throat> a little more holding on to something more solid than I'm comfortable with at the moment. Like it makes me feel like I have to understand it. And just for me, that's not something that I want to do is to like have that thing because for for my personality I know that I can't hold on to that unless I feel like I can understand it you know mm. and I think it's beautiful that people can hold on to that without having the, the compulsion to understand all the aspects of it you know to to nail it down like I, I think that's great that they can like hold to Christianity that way that that's hard I mean in it and it's just like the logical the logical brain but people are just built different. They have different needs. Mm -hmm. They have different level of processing for different topics. And like you and I end up being very logically oriented and social advocates. But some people just need to have community. And I have to make myself feel that that's okay sometimes. Because I know that mm. I, I know that that. That is what is best. Like that is what people need, even yeah. though like, like this sounds so so bad for me to say, but like, I do accidentally feel like I'm smarter than people sometimes, and that's wrong. Like I have to actively fight against that, but I'm 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 getting there. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so like I, I'm re I'm res I'm yeah. resonating with what you're saying. No, for sure. And I mean, I appreciate you saying that too, because like, I mean, I, I definitely do as well. And 
I'm not going to pretend that I don't often think that I'm, you know, like smarter than a lot of people and like, but everyone thinks that, that, right? that chose different things. Yeah. Like it's, I'm consciously trying to like trying to ground myself in, yeah. in, in a little bit more of humility, I guess, because it, it can be easy to, I mean, it can be easy to fall into like the superiority complex, no matter where you are. I mean, obviously we did as Christians, like yeah, yeah. Christianity, honestly, like, well, the evangelical type of Christianity that we were in basically requires a superiority complex. So, like, any person of any belief can, like, easily fall into thinking that they are clearly superior. So, I think it's good for everyone to, like, take a step back and try to, like, appreciate other perspectives. Um, and again, not saying that everyone's right. You know, there are some perspectives that cause legitimate harm which i think i would always speak out against you know and and um but yeah i feel like speaking or appreciating that there are different views that exist is generally just a good thing to uh to try to keep yourself grounded in in your humility and in your like lack of understanding of the entire world yeah and you know I think one of the biggest things with with that too is like the intention behind what people believe sometimes. So, mm-hmm. just for example, um, I've got a coworker who honestly believes in like American um, like nationalism, and mm. like that. I struggle with that. I struggle with that really bad. He yeah. very much like ascribes to like the original version of like the American dream, American melting pot where he's like Mm. middle-class white society is the best possible society. And like, that's hard for me to process, but here's, here's one thing I will say The his intention behind that is like, he genuinely thinks that if everyone were to embrace that, they would have the best possible life that they could have. And while I think he's wrong, like dead wrong, Mm -hmm. at least, man, this this is my hot take call. You're so, I want your thoughts after this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. At least he feels that way because he wants people to thrive. Yeah. No, I mean, I've, definitely like wrestled with that as well because i mean i think that's a viewpoint that very definitely like causes harm and and like is objectively like bad for society yes yes Um, but i like given that like i think it's good to recognize like you said i think it's good to recognize that the majority of people and a lot of people you can you can you know usually sort of suss out by talking to them a lot of people i think I tend to believe that they come to most issues from a place of like of wanting the best for everybody. And a lot of times it's ignorance rather than malice that, uh, that causes beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've been taught, you know, like it, it doesn't excuse them, but they've been just indoctrinated by Fox news and whatever, you know, that like, <laughs> That this is the best way of life, and like, and and if their experiences haven't shown them much differently, if they've willfully turned a blind eye to, yeah, all the all the facts, all the history, yes. all the um, 
easily readable readily available knowledge mm -hmm. um yeah i i don't think it like excuses them and i think that's something that is good to like stand up against and to try to push back on yeah but i think it's a good perspective to like to assume um that they are coming at it from that place like you said from a place of they want everybody to strive um mm -hmm. to thrive they're just uh misguided in it yeah because he's like, like i i definitely question a lot of especially like leaders and the the talking heads um and the like especially the the pundits that i believe are just grifters like it's pretty easy to make a buck by saying inflammatory shit um <laughs> So, like, I don't think they're genuine, and I don't think a lot of those people riling up this hatred and bigotry are in it because they want people to thrive. I think they're in it for either true hatred or more likely just the cash and the power. Yeah, um, absolutely. But the, the the regular Joe, you know, especially the working class guy like your coworkers, I don't think, like, they don't have those beliefs because they want power as much. I mean, if they do, it's a very, they don't recognize that. Like, it's a subconscious yeah. Yeah, power that they want. Very unknowing. And they're, a lot of them are military, too. So, like, they mm. have been bred in from, like, a very young age that, that genuinely, like, that they're doing this, like, nationalist version of, like, the gospel, of, like, sharing the gospel. Like, mm. hey, like, our way of life and our philosophy is just better than yours. And so like, if you were to just embrace it, you can have our success too. And yeah, again, yeah. so problematic. Yeah. But, but at, at least, at least he wants people to have a good life, I guess. <laughs> no, here's the thing. Like, so it, it is it's worrying to me the amount of fascism we have in America right now. But <laughs> um sometimes I feel like because of well, maybe because of intentionally bad yeah. history or whatever, some people believe that the Nazis and uh and World War Two Germany was yeah. just like all evil people that were hateful and bigoted and just like you know, wanted to rule the world and whatever. And yeah. like, I'm not saying that, the, that the, the architects of that were not that way. I think they right, were, but right. like they got an entire nation to get around them. Yeah. An entire nation that mostly went to church every Sunday that had picnics on their, like there's one like very harrowing picture of a group of people that just looks like they're having a really nice little lovely park uh, outing. Uh, turns out like they are on break from a concentration camp. And like, but they, so my, my point is, I guess, yeah, we shouldn't think of people as like inherently bad or good and inherently like looking to hurt people or looking to make people better. Like, I think that people that want power are really good at manipulating people. And like the majority of people, when they get behind something that leads to genocide, like what your coworkers believe leads yeah. to genocide. But, like, they're in it because they've been successfully propagandized that that is the best way of life, you know? And, and they truly believe that. Like, they're not in it to say, like, I want to commit genocide. Like, like the Nazis and the people in Germany were not, for the most part, yeah, I'm sure some of them were, but the mo for mostly the they, they weren't people. were. But yeah, like, and, like, some people in the – like, yeah. Some people in the American military, you know, join the military because they want to kill – people in the middle east or whatever but a lot of them aren't in it for that you know and they like they've just been sold this idea that 
there's a problem. The best way to fix it is our way of life, is our ideology. And so they're like, okay, like I'm, this is, this is a difficult situation. You know, they're scared and they're like, this is a, a tough situation the country's in right now. And I want to help people. And I truly believe that our way of life as this type of person, if we can force everybody to do that, like the world would be a better place, you know? And that's tempting to believe because like we talked about with the superiority complex, most people think that their way of life is the best way of life. So, yeah, I mean, because if they didn't, they wouldn't be living that way. That is very, very true. Man. Wow. We got, we went in like heavy <laughs> and we haven't even talked about how we are. Damn. Yeah. Sorry. Well, that's, that's my <laughs> thoughts on on that. But no, I mean, I appreciate you like getting into it, like diving I'm into sorry. the- the the nuance of those situations I think is important because yeah. it can be harmful to classify everything in like a black and white way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, anyways, Collier, I, I want you to tell me how you are doing. Yeah, I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. I mean, got to reset now. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you need a, se- <laughs> do you, do you need a second? No, do you need, I'm good. Can we just yeah. stand up, walk around? Well, know? beyond beyond those like daily concerns of everything we just talked about, plus climate change and all that. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to die! Those, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Um, I've been getting really into improv recently. So that's I know! Sort of new development. That's amazing! I want to yeah. see it so bad! I know. I think, so apparently like, we're not supposed to video because um, they got so much video in last time, so that sucks. But I've done like two shows now, so I I did like a full class, a twelve week course, and we had like a little graduation show at the end. And then a week later, there was this like free for all show for anybody involved with the the improv school that I'm in, and I did that as well. Um, so yeah, I think I'm gonna continue doing it. I. I really enjoy it. It's like, you know, I love performing and I've talked about a lot, I think on here about how like one of the biggest things that I miss from church is that as a minister and worship leader, I was like guaranteed to be on stage every week. It's true. And I just fucking love being on stage, man. <laughs> like I love performing. So like this is a good a good way that I think like is I'm very well suited for in my just like natural talents and it's a very fun community and uh yeah so that's been going great uh New York's the place to do it too so I'm it's true looking to keep uh keep being more involved in that it's amazing I love it I love how are it. you doing how are you doing Elijah uh I'm okay I'm okay uh I, you know I'm on a grind I'm on a grind uh uh working school um I'm ever inching closer to starting my practicum, actually getting to see uh, mm. clients through my uh, master's program. So very excited for that. Have you done any like supervised um, that, sessions or that will like that be yet, the or? beginning of it. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, so you're about be, to start that soon. Yeah. In the spring. So nice. I'm, okay. I'm very excited for that. Um, uh, but besides that, uh, I'm running like, Four D and D games right now. <laughs> Damn, um, you just keep on picking up more, huh? I know, dude. And um, this in December, I'm about to join um someone who is trying to like start like 
live stream and do like something okay. a little more uh a little more professional than like I cuz I'm just running for my friends. Um and he's yeah. he's trying to get people to like come join to like make something and I'm like I'm I'm all in for that, man. No, um, you should do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It, you know, it's kind of improv sometimes. <laughs> oh, no, honestly, it's like the same thing. Yeah, because like essentially improv is well especially my school is like very yeah. character based yes so i i feel like D prepared me for that and vice versa like it works really <laughs> well with D because like i mean how how i prefer to play D is is more character work and less action yeah no yeah <laughs> i love like having space in D for like conversations with our characters like i think that's so fun we um the game I'm playing right now with uh, Tom and Rachel um, has had quite a bit, and I miss you very, very much in that. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Maybe, maybe at some point when someday, I'm like a little less, like when I can devote some more time to that, I, I, I will get totally back in. Totally understand. Totally understand. Yeah. But uh, uh, no pressure. I'm just saying, I miss you. Yeah, I know. I miss <laughs> you too. I miss miss you all. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but yeah. Uh, that's fun though okay so are you gonna do the live live stream yeah for sure uh yeah no i'm for sure doing it uh i'm just a player though (laughs) yeah uh i've made uh (laughs) four different possible characters so we'll see nice (laughs) (laughs) so we'll we'll see damn i never finished my sean foyt character (laughs) dude sean fucked (laughs) sean fucked I want, I really want you to play like the worship leader bard or like the Jesus wizard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, oh, Ooh, Jesus but, wizard. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the Jesus H Christ, who's like the, got the wizard powers. <laughs> yes, Jesus H Christ. Jesus H Christ. <laughs> yeah, no, I I want it. <laughs> no, that would be so funny. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay, so here I'm me sure out. we could we could um someday we should try to do like a live streamed um like deconstruction D D because <laughs> I feel like there's there's quite a big crossover of people in this space uh that our podcast and Instagram is and D and D. I know uh, Justin Gentry from like Go Home Bible You're Drunk and um um uh what's his other one? I forget. I know he's a big fan of D D. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think. I just feel like there's a lot of nerds in this space, you know? So my brain's turning. I gotta, I gotta think about this because I think yeah, I could. Play everyone something. has to be a character that's like that worked at a church. Like that's, <laughs> that's that's the scenario. Is we all, it's a ministry team that gets stranded in a different realm. <laughs> so, okay, so so you've got the staff at a small Baptist church who mm-hmm. walked through. We got, they went I mean, into the a security guard. That's like the yeah. that's the warrior or yeah. whatever. Uh, the senior pastor, they're probably uh, the rogue because they're deceptive or the bard. <laughs> no, the worship leader is the bard. Worship leader is the bard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the druid is kind of youth pastory because of summer camp. And... Oh, yeah. The, the hippie <laughs> youth pastor that's barefoot on stage. The barefoot on stage, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's amazing. Um, I... Uh, I thought I had an idea for like an atheist cleric. Ooh, too. the the care ministry or prayer ministry is the cleric. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Holy Spirit, baby. Yes. Oh my God, this is this is okay. We got to do this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, write that down. Write that down. <laughs> so, 
Oh my god. I'm down. So we should also cut this clip and make it like a a reel or TikTok or something, because that's it's a good idea. And we should do it. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I'm cutting it out of the podcast. This is ours. This is proprietary. Oh, yeah. No, no, we can't have anyone else steal it. You're right. <laughs> Somebody will steal it. Somebody yeah. will steal it. No, we're doing this. This is what puts hopefully wandering on the map. <laughs> yes, this way we're actually going to get some followers instead of haters. Let's yeah, go. that's finally, finally. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had something else I wanted to talk to you about, but now, now, now. Oh, oh, um. Something else. Mm-hmm. Tom got me onto reading this book. Have you ever heard of this book right here? House, House of, of Leaves. Leaves. No, I haven't. This, and it, it, I don't know, this is going to be a super niche thing. If any of our audience. Book recommendation note. Bro, this, this book right here, it is. It's like 700 pages and they're like Ooh. big. It's big. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, let, can I can I pitch this book to you in 60 seconds? Okay, yeah. Okay. So Let's do it. There is in the I think 70s or 80s a photographer who um purchases a house with his wife and two children and the house is bigger on the inside than it is the outside. Okay. By like an inch. Um anyways, the the size of the house and the inside but continues to grow. Well, the size of the house of the outside stays the same. Mm. Something hanky-panky, very weird, borderline supernatural happens in this house. Okay? The photographer guy turns into a documentary. Okay. Okay. That's layer one. Layer two. A dude who lives in California decides to write a book about the documentary. Hmm. Okay. Um... So there's, there's a guy in the house that is making a documentary. Yeah, he made a documentary in the past. Okay. And, and it's someone, been out oh, and for like, someone writes a book. Yes. About, about the documentary. About the documentary. Okay. That's what this is. Okay, so the book is the book written by... The book that we're reading yes. is supposed to be the book written about the documentary. Yes. Okay. Then the guy dies before he's able to finish the book. Okay. So then... A a dude who lives in this guy's apartment complex finds the book in his apartment because he was kind of acquaintances with him, and he mm-hmm. starts reading the script about the documentary. Okay, and making like notes about it, and he's like writing. He's also like journaling, like in the margins about his personal experience while reading the book. Mm, okay. Okay. You following? Yeah. And then here's the final layer. The third guy, so the dude who found the script about the documentary, cannot find any proof that the documentary ever existed. Wait, the this is the the um apartment guy or this is a separate guy? This is the third After. person. Okay. So the dude who wrote the script about the mm-hmm. documentary movie. Yeah. 
Um, so he died. He died. And a dude in his apartment, um, who's just a tattoo artist, druggie in LA, finds yeah. the book, reads it, and starts making some margin notes in it. Cannot yeah. find any proof that the documentary ever existed. <laughs> okay. Okay. That sounds really meta. I mean, that sounds a little confusing. Very meta. It's like it's like an ogre or an onion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yes, that sounds really good. It is. So, Tom, here's the way that Tom pitched it to me. Tom pitched this book to me as um, this book is the only book you'll ever see that could never be turned into a movie, <laughs> turn into an audio format. There's mm. no other way to read this book. Here's two pages. Nice. Okay. Hold on. I, me... I love those books. The, the books that like really play with the possibilities of printing on a page that like make it impossible to adapt it basically or, or impossible to audiobook it. Look. The oh my t- God. Okay. <gasps> Wow, so that's like two diagonal pages. Are yes. Like upside down too. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay, so I'm guessing those are like the margins guy. I I don't know. I ain't got there yet. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and it's like there's three words on these pages. Mm. All right. All right. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I'm about to get to where it starts getting unhinged. So, but anyways, um, it's it like the book itself and the notes in it, like the whole mm-hmm. book is a work of fiction, obviously. But it's like a work of fiction where like there's an appendix in the book, and the appendix, the foreword, all of that is written like in the universe canon. So like it'll be like, hey, the nice. editors, I put this thing in the back. And the thing in the back is just as, like, it's also part of the story. <laughs> like, like, bro, it's... Oh, my God. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like the book version of, like, a found footage yes. documentary type of thing where, like, everything about the book is supposed to be, like, in the universe. Yeah. Have you heard of, like, an That's ARG? Cool. Augmented no, reality so. game? Mm-mm. Okay, okay. Think of like I don't know what to, to um kind of like a like a YouTube video that talks about like a fake history or like some creepy event that never happened. Uh, okay. Makes you think it's real. It's kind of what like yeah. what this is. But Okay. Mm. Anyways, I listened to is like some uh, a podcast that was sort of like that that I <laughs> it was like a supernatural type of podcast yeah. and I thought that it was a real thing and then yes. like I looked it up on Google and it was like just a fake story. Yeah. Okay. It's like that. It's like a. It's like yeah. a. It's like a long creepy pasta written as a documentary. Okay. Nice. This nice. is fucking crazy. That sounds really, really interesting. It <laughs> sounds like a. Wow. That sounds like an experience. Definitely. It sounds like a really good book. <laughs> so, um, I watched. I I went over. We went over and hung out with Tom and Rachel a couple months ago, and I was mm-hmm. in a bookstore with Tom, and Tom points this book out, starts telling me about the book. And draws a crowd and ends up causing half a dozen people to buy the book. Oh my God. Dude, you should have like been the author. 
get Tom in, in touch with the author there. That's I know. Crazy. Man, I was. Like, I think we're gonna break a uh, hopefully wandering record for how many times we mentioned Tom in this episode. I, I'm sorry. I, you know, <laughs> I keep talking about Tom, but like. Tom. No, it's okay. I mean, like they're, they're a part of the hopefully wandering universe, you know. So, <laughs> you know, Tom is an enigma. Love it. Mm-hmm. Tom is the most unique individual I've ever met, <laughs> ever. So. Yeah. Okay. No, there's there's a reason that uh, that their name comes up a lot. So, <laughs> no, that sounds incredible. That's, <clears throat> I mean. I feel like I wouldn't begin to like be able to process it until I really get into it. So yeah, no, it's on my list now. It's on my list. Yeah. I've got a long list and uh, that's up there at the top. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I feel bad. Cause like every time I tell you about stuff, it goes on the list. I'm like, God, I don't want to see this list. I just, yeah. Every time I recommended something or recommended a book, I always write it on this list. Um, I went through and like, Deleted all the ones that I was recommended as a Christian. Show um, me the list. <laughs> it's it's pretty long still, because the thing is, like, I'll even I'll even buy some books, but then I don't like usually start reading them. So yeah, it takes me a long time to cross something off. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Guys, I, I I if you it's, listen to this in audio it's format, long. it's like there, there's it's there's the finished ones. There's, oh, there's, a there's video. five five finished based on. Like, <laughs> Wait, it's got to be over fifty. Did the yeah. first one say queer magic? Uh, yes. I, I love that. Yeah, and a lot of them too. Like, I don't even know. I should probably start writing down like who recommended them to me and and in what context because like I'll listen to a podcast and hear a book recommendation and then I'm like, oh, I'll write that down. And then I look at it months later and I have no idea who recommended it to me. Or, <laughs> or what the book's about. I just like have the name. You can't thank anyone. You can't do anything about it. You're just like, oh, I read yeah. it. Someone tell yeah, me who like, told okay, me to read this. A, if I'm in a used bookstore and I find it, I'll pick it up. Sure. Collier, I just had the weirdest experience right now in my in my apartment. I looked over on Taylor's bookshelf mm-hmm. and there's a Barbie on it. And I'm like, we don't own a Barbie. Why the why the fuck is there a Barbie what? on it? And like I just oh, got really creeped out. And then I remember I bought Taylor a Barbie a couple months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I just about had terrifying. a panic attack. Like, on... Attack of the Barbies, yeah. <laughs> That's what the Barbie movie really put in, into the world was uh was demons. Yes, yes. <laughs> that are getting into your house now. Oh no, Greg Locke was Greg right. <laughs> Have we okay? Question. Okay, honestly, okay. Sorry, yeah. No, no, ahead. no, no. You go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. Well, j- just about Greg Locke. I people are like talking about that video, and they're like, "Yeah, like that's insane that he destroys a Barbie dream house with a baseball bat full of Bibles." Like, I feel like the majority of Christians that I know would be like super offended about duct taping a lot of Bibles to a baseball bat, like. <laughs> There was a section of Christians that I grew up with who like would freak out if a Bible touched the floor. Yeah, it's so like to, the American to duct tape flag. them around a baseball bat and whack <laughs> and whack something with them. Like that sounds like the height of sacrilege. You know he's throwing those Bibles away after that. Like he's putting them in oh, the trash. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I was taught that a Bible should never touch the ground. 
There, there were some people that were like, you should never write in a Bible. I don't know, dude. It's just a I book. Yeah, yeah. Book. No, I mean, then there was also the people that were like, oh, if your Bible's not marked up and has highlights and sticky notes in it, you're not doing it right. <laughs> yeah. I, I still, like, that, that seems very disrespectful to the Bible to to use it as a weapon of destruction, literally. Like, that sounds, uh... So was it be real time? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Okay, have we... Sorry, yeah, what were you going to say? Well, uh, it was kind of along the same veins. Have we mm-hmm. discussed the Barbie movie on the pod? No, I don't think so. I don't know what the fuck we're going to title this episode. So we can <laughs> think about that later. Yeah, okay. But um, when it comes to the Barbie movie... I'm curious, like, the most widely debated thing among people who are in support of the Barbie movie, because, like, a mm-hmm. lot of people hated on the Barbie movie because they're just conservative. And yeah, like the Ben Shapiro people. Ben yeah. Shapiro. But I'm curious your specific take of okay. what Alan represents to you. <laughs> That's the only yeah, thing I want to know. Okay, okay. This really, this is what tells me about you is how you no, interpret. There, there are a lot of like, there's a lot of like interesting discourse that you can have with people that that support the Barbie movie on the whole, or that like don't hate it, you know, because they're conservative. There's a lot of different things you could talk about, which is cool. Um, I so I'm gonna say when I saw it. Uh, Alan, to me, I saw as like, well, one of the first ways I saw him was like a non-binary representation and a queer representation in general. Um, and I, I don't think that that's like necessarily what he was supposed to portray. Um, that's just like, it kind of spoke to me because that's my identity. That's like something I could see myself in, you know, like in a world of Barbies and Ken's, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, like Alan, um, because the, the takeaway that I had was, um, Alan is Ken's buddy and all Ken's clothes fit him. So what I took from that was like, even though he, even though all Ken's clothes fit him, he's not Ken, you know? And if Ken equals male, but Ken's clothes fit him, I was like, I, I just took that personally. It, it just like spoke to me personally because camera got foggy. Um, <laughs> yeah, mine kind of goes in and out of focus too. Yeah. Um, how How I like tied that to my life was being a non-binary person that is generally more, I mean, I'm like AMAB and generally more masculine presenting rather than feminine. Currently all men clothes fit me, but I'm not man, you know, just like how Alan's all Ken's clothes fit Alan, but Alan's not Ken. So like, that's, that's like, it's more of an interpretation that I don't think was necessarily intended that I chose to latch onto because I liked it. Um, I do think there's a lot of like, like th- that specifically that specific interpretation. I do think there's a lot of uh, a good argument for him being like queer representation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I also can see a very good argument for him being like male ally representation, like a, a non-toxic male, like the very few, you know, um, mm-hmm. 
that is a man but doesn't prescribe to patriarchy and is trying to is trying to help women in the fight against patriarchy. And I think that's the beauty of what Alan has represented is that if it, if I'm not mistaken, Greta Gerwig's been pretty silent about Alan specifically. I think so. And and all Michael Sarah said was that quote from the box of of Alan is Ken's buddy and all Ken's clothes fit him. Yeah, exactly. So everyone has been intentionally silent about Alan, and that mm. is the beauty. That is what makes mm. Alan the most interesting man in the world, okay? Yeah. <laughs> is that everyone can read whatever they want into Alan. And I think it's in this context, all correct. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Like I I would not, you know, like stake my life on my interpretation of how I received it. Um, it was a beautiful it was beautiful to me. Like I in the moment, you know, crying in the theater, like it was a beautiful moment for me to to interpret it that way. But like I definitely would not like fight against the majority of interpretations of Alan. Like I wouldn't say that like that, that the way that I received it in the theater was the correct, the only correct way to, to look at him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause I, I felt very similarly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How was, how would you like, what, what was your thoughts on Alan then? Yeah. So mine was just that, like, I, I felt that Alan was just like, kind of like what you were saying a non-toxic um, male AMAB representative. So, like, mm-hmm. even though Alan, you know, presented themselves as a non-toxic version of men, um, they were still able to help the Barbies, help them yeah. overcome patriarchy, all while being able to assert themselves with the Kins in like their yeah. style, like all of the stuff that they are able to access, like they could access it, but they weren't, they didn't use it for toxic or manipulation. Mm-hmm. So like they were in this like weird, awkward place, like where they could fit with the kins, but they don't really. And so they ended up helping the Barbies. Yeah. Yeah. So, now that I'm thinking about it, like I don't know if there are any pronouns specifically used in the Barbie movie. Like I know, like some of the cast has referred to them as like as he, um, and, and like Alan's box refers to him as he. Um, but yeah. like in the movie itself, I don't even know if there's pronouns that like they attach to Alan. I think they just say his name. Alan, they're, just, <laughs> um, they're yeah. just Alan. There's only one Alan. <laughs> um, no, another thing too that kind of spoke to me and just like my personal story like that's why i related to him a lot was because the very beginning you know he the the opening sequence um he's kind of off by himself all the kens don't really interact with him that much and don't really like see him and barbie's the only one that does you know like alan says like hi barbie and she says hi alan (laughs) you know um and i don't know for me like it felt very representative of my past that I've always felt a little bit of an outsider with like with men friend groups, you know, like I felt like either I've had to pretend or I just like wasn't really I just never felt seen, you know. Um, And I'm not blaming like any specific man for that. I'm just saying like in I would sit with the, the guys, you know, and I just like I never really felt like I was seen 
And and that's like why I sought out a lot of times, like why I was like mostly friends with women. And I still do usually connect with women better than men on the average. And yeah, that just like really felt like my life that scene when like only barbie's the one that sees him yeah it was like yeah like that i i get that that's how my entire like childhood and adolescence was yeah and i i see that in you too because like you can roll with like some sport talk specifically like soccer or you know i'm really good at bullshitting and faking yeah 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 <laughs> sure yeah you can you can and i can while, make people like me if i want to yes while ken's clothes can definitely fit you, Collier. Mm-hmm. You and and I relate to you in this in this form too. Even though I don't like identify as non-binary, like I just can't get behind the attitude of like cishet men because it's yeah. just so it's so like Neanderthal. <laughs> like that's the only way yeah. I can describe it. Like. Yeah. Like, it just feels like they're just trying to compare themselves to each other, assert dominance, mm. just like dumb, like locker room shit, you know? And, and right yeah. now, working in like a blue collar environment, it is just as bad as middle school locker room talk. Everyone yeah. is oh. just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, it, it's sad. Like, that's the thing is I, I wish that like men weren't like that and it didn't um, have to be that way. But yeah. Yeah. Like I remember specifically one day there, there was like a couple times, I think especially like eighth grade, ninth grade year where I would like sit with, um, <laughs> honestly, a lot of our group was like very nerdy and kind of weird homeschool kids, you know? Yeah. So like, I mean, we, we were for sure toxic in lots of ways, but we weren't like the stereotypical yeah. like men, like guys, guys, bros, you know, yes. as much because we were more like the nerd boys, which has so much toxicity in, in a different regard. Yes. <laughs> it's not the same. So yeah. like sometimes I would sit with those guys though, uh, like at lunch or something. I just, I specifically remember one day where like, damn, like these there was like two dudes especially that were just like talking in like the most perverted ways about every fucking like girl that would walk by and just like had to make everything like weird and gross and like also like competitive. And it was just like, I sat at like a table like that two or three times, maybe the entire time I was in school. And like each time I was like, this is, this is weird. Like I I don't understand what these guys are talking about. Like this is just a, I mean, like I, I, you know, probably tried to fit in. I'm sure because like, yeah. that's how I, I always try to fit in. We usually, said dumb shit working back on that. Then. I remember. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's it's upsetting that like that type of just disgusting behavior not only exists in middle school and high school guys, but continues to be the exact same. Like not even evolved at all no. for a lot of fully grown guys, fully grown at middle aged men. And it, I think it's. We were raised in a very different environment. I'd say we were probably a lot more meek than like a public schooler. Oh, but yeah, we were honestly more like creepy rather than like the yes. <laughs> we were like the creepy toxic masculinity, we like were. the incel, creepy masculinity rather than the uh, like the, the toxic like jock masculinity. It hurts. <laughs> it hurts to think about. Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember, and I think you know about this, Coley, but, like, I remember my middle school crush, like, mm-hmm. and um, 
I also remember like the dude who had a crush on Michaela for a long time. Like think about the stuff we would say and do how we would act. Like it was so fucking creepy. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. I know. Like sometimes I, I wonder if it would be like better or worse with Christianity because like, I feel like what Christianity did for that culture of us, middle school guys was um made us feel guilty for it made us feel guilty but yeah (laughs) also made us like even like a little shadier and sneakier and creepier you know because we weren't like outright derogatory and misogynist and like sexist we like had we were those things a lot of us were for sure i mean probably all of us were at times um but it took a, a much creepier form you know because like we weren't allowed to say like vulgar things so we weren't like outright vulgar we weren't outright like disrespectful but i don't know maybe it's like it was trying to train us to be nice guys i guess like the nice guy syndrome like that type of thing my lady yeah it it yeah it's cringe so Well, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. Do you want to, we could talk more about the Barbie or we could skip to another topic or. Um, I, I just want to know your opinion on, on, on uh, Alan. Um, okay. Is there anything else you want to hit on in our, in our TBD episode? Again, it's going to be like, uh, White evangelicalism's Barbie and books. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> I know, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes we just have those like crackhead episodes where we just. Yeah, we can have the ones where we don't have like anything specific. I mean, we talked about before something about like. Uh, you were talking about like sort of having hope for the new the new yeah okay generation okay. and stuff. If you want to talk about that or well, it kind of to me it, it kind of go coincides a little bit like with what we were like first talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, call your head. Did you watch any of the highlights from the Republican debate a couple of days ago? <laughs> the second one. The second one. Um, just just a little bit. Was that? Was that when Chris Christie made the Donald Duck comment? Yes! <laughs> okay, that's honestly so funny. I know! Like, it's... The, his posture and his facial expression when he said that, oh my God, he was so proud of himself. It was like such like a Disney delivery too. Like, <laughs> You're not going to be like Donald Trump anymore. You're going to be like we're, Donald Duck. We're going to call you Donald Duck. <laughs> Bruh. And um, Ron DeSantis with the Homelander smile. Yeah, dude. Okay, I don't know if you saw this TikTok. There's there's one famous like one TikTok that was getting around that I saw. Um, where somebody said, somebody said, I don't think that Ron DeSantis has ever recovered from the disastrous choice to let people hear his speaking voice. 
but honestly, th- there's no lie. Because here's the thing. He was the big, scary, boogaloo Hitler guy. You know, he was like enacting all these horrible policies. And like he still is. And those things are still serious. But he was like doing all this shit in Florida. And everyone was terrified of him. Everybody was like, oh, my God, he's like doing Trump 2.0. He's going to win the Republican primary. But then people saw it, like heard his voice, yeah. saw his creepy smile, heard his laugh. And like, I, re- I agree with that TikTok. I, I think that's it. Like, he is just so uncharismatic and like just detestable from a aesthetic level that like, if he, if he stayed on paper, if he never attended a debate and he was only on paper, he might've won the presidential election. Yeah. <laughs> because he's like, he's feeding into like the woke hysteria that like the Republicans are all about right now. You yeah. Know, he's doing the stuff, but like, man, he is a just unsettling person even to republicans he doesn't have like the rich dick air that like donald has he's just yeah, like yeah 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 because not that donald's like a great speaker he just has no the rich asshole billionaire thing and then like he gets people riled up like you know ah! yeah ron DeSantis yeah, like, is just he, like he understands the camera for sure like trump does because he's been on tv but yeah ron ron DeSantis like he was trying to mimic Trump, I guess, but yeah, he just, <laughs> <laughs> he's so creepy, but, um, no, that smile is something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, all that goes to say is that, uh, I feel really strongly right now. And, uh, I, I guess this is the point I'd like to make tonight. Okay. You know, if we're having a pinnacle okay. of the conversation, mm-hmm. this is, this is, this <laughs> is your sermon takeaway. This is what I originally wanted to say mm. on this episode. Okay. Listen, is it three things? Is it alliterated? Yes, it is very alliterated. Um, <laughs> if, if you are a young person, this is, this is my message. You know, if I'm talking to someone who listens to the pod and supports us and, and agrees with a lot of these ideologies, if you are a young person right now looking at the state of like the United States or of the world in general, and you're worried, mm-hmm. you, you should be prepared for things to be difficult for a little while because right now, baby boomers, older people like white, nationalist conservatives are on the defensive right now because so many young people, uh, millennials and Gen Z's and future Gen Alphas have like seen the bullshit and just put up with just enough crap, especially through seeing like the Republican national debate or like just Trumpisms and not even like exactly how these politicians are acting, but it's like the ideas that they're instilling in their parents and their grandparents to be just absolute dicks, assholes. You can't even go to a Thanksgiving dinner without arguing sometimes. They're on the way out. There's a lot of young politicians, a lot of young lawmakers that are slowly rising up um, that are going to be advocates for you. But you're going to have to hunker down through, I don't know how long, 20 years of just this older generation feeling like they're losing control, like it's slipping through their fingers and refusing to relinquish it. And they're going to go down fighting. Mm. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. Like I, uh, I think there's definitely hope in that. Like there's hope that like the, 
incredible extremism and the fascism that we see right now is is like a flailing of a dying party and of a um of a hopefully losing sect you know yeah like i'm a little worried that there could be like a like there are things that like i think it's possible that you know something happens that gets the majority of people to like buy into the populism and the fascism but um i i'm pretty hopeful too you know i'm hopeful with this generation i'm hopeful that they see through the bullshit and they, they see through the propaganda and stuff and uh like you said it'll take a while because unless there's going to be a violent revolution that happens more quickly um it's pretty hard for things to change it'll take a little while for things to change but yeah, I, I'm there with you. I mean, I think that it, w- what we're seeing is like the flailing of a dying sect, and I'm a little hopeful. You know, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess, yeah. but I am hopeful that things will start turning around and and we'll see some good change. Yeah, I think we're seeing that too with like evangelicalism, and we were talking about this uh, mm-hmm. before the podcast. Uh, tell me how comfortable you are with me talking about this, Collier. Um, but we've had some weird interactions. Um, with like people we used to go to church with indirectly interacting with the podcast. Um, they're not like approaching uh, We PSA. If you have negative thoughts about the podcast, we would much appreciate it. If you would talk to Collier and I directly. Feel yeah. Free. <laughs> we will, we will have a conversation for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not, mm. we don't really want to like argue, but if you want to, Tell us something that's different. Um, yeah. But uh, anyways, like, I, I think that the same thing that's true with, like, this political stuff, like, the the whole reason, you know, I'm talking about it here is because I see it with evangelicalism, too, because they go hand in hand, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, like, our old, like, like Southeast, a lot of, a lot of older people, and I don't even want to say older people, but, like, parents, they're very scared because their children are leaving evangelicalism. Yeah. Yeah, they no definitely, and it, it is very hand in hand. I mean, there's a lot of overlap of the individual people. I'm sure that you know are on the side of some of the kind of crazy Republicans and the crazy evangelicals for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think that we definitely see that in church because there's a big movement to do things a little a little differently and. You know, they're terrified of deconstruction. They're terrified of people. They're, I feel like for a while, like when we were when we were um, a little younger in church, like people were encouraged to seek the truth, to get closer to God, you know, to seek the truth of God, to seek like the true gospel. Like it, there was kind of like a little bit of a counterculture type of thing happening like when we were in like our youth ministry where they were really encouraging us to like kind of buck off some of the old religious guard, you know, they were like, those guys are like the, the, the way that it's always been done isn't always the right way, you know? And yes. they were like, the Pharisees were doing it one way. And then Jesus came and said like, Hey, no, we gotta, you know, we gotta revise that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And there was that encouragement when we were young to look at things differently and to, <laughs> see new ways to be closer to God, new ways to advance the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And now I I my 
not even hot take, my just sort of opinion on it is that like that happened, you know, and it was called <laughs> deconstruction is what like a lot of us coined it. Yeah. Um, that like, or exvangelicalism or whatever, you know, whatever terms. Um, An awakening, some would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, an awakening. They were always like, we're going to awaken this generation. This is a revival generation. I see it. And we did that revival. You know, we we left the church. We followed Jesus out the door of the church. And we said, there's a better way to do this. Um, I'm not talking about me and you because we left the faith altogether. But there's, <laughs> there's a large sect of people that that were sort of how we started of leaving yeah. the organized church and stayed in that spot. Like we were talking about in the beginning, like with Tom and like with our other friends that are Christian and doing it in a healthier, more holistic way. Um, and they got terrified, you know, the same people who told us you need to do a revival. Your generation's going to change this country, going to change this church. They are now terrified that our generation is changing the church and changing the landscape of the country because I guess what they wanted was like a mass confirmation conforming to their way of doing things. Yeah. And maybe they didn't know that at the time, but like as soon as they were confronted with substantial change, they got uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what the root of a lot of the Republican stuff is too, or a lot of like the um the people that are the, the old people, especially that are just scared of new things in the country and in politics, and whatever, too, is like they're just they're terrified of change, you know. Yeah. And they're like they they thought they wanted a revolution, or they, th or they thought they wanted things to get better. But if it takes discomfort, then they don't want it. I mean, isn't that like the very definition of conservatism? Is like it could yeah to be conservative to conserve the way things have been done exactly. And that, and that's yeah. kind of like, that's why I see like conservatism politically and religiously go hand in hand is because mm -hmm. things, there's just this vision that the way things were done in my youth or as I grew up or how I'm used to them is the best possible way. And yeah, I, I think I'm going to struggle with this the older I get, because I think I'm going to start to feel like this too. But like, you know, I think the way I do things are probably right because mm -hmm. if I didn't, I wouldn't do them that way. <laughs> but I ha yeah. we have to remind ourselves that we could be wrong and that we have to stay open to that change and not be yeah. closed off. Otherwise, we're no better. No, totally. Like, I mean, I see that with like there are some there's a lot of people that, you know, they when like uh when the massive BLM protests happened during COVID or back in 2012 um, and, and both those times that there was a lot of people that were like, yeah, man, I marched in the sixties, but this is a little too far. Like we're talking about defunding the cops. That's too much, you know, or people that were like, yeah, I'm lesbian or gay, but I, you know, I can't accept trans people. I can't accept the pronouns and I can't accept like, like I just, that that's, that's too far for me. You know, like there's a lot of people that, were liberal in their younger days um and then just cling so tightly to that exact formation of the world they had when they were in their 20s that then when they're in their 40s 50s 60s they can't let go of that and they can't see a new way you know and yeah. um yeah. i'm not always saying that newer is better like there, there's definitely value in old wisdom and stuff like that but I hope that we're not like that when we're old. I hope that when we 
grow old that both of us are able to um, try to keep an open mind as much as possible and try to not be so stuck in our ways that we can't see yeah. um, progress that needs to happen. That's my prayer, Collier. That's my prayer. My prayer. <laughs> it's my Christmas Eve prayer, my Christmas <laughs> wish. <laughs> oh, my Christmas wish. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think you're so right, though. Yeah, it, it's, there's a big overlap with um, the church and with just, like, conservative values in general, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know, it's just, it's, it is frustrating because the evangelical church, in the non-denominational church especially, seemed like they were pretty cool with new stuff. You know, they incorporated a new worship sound, a new rock sound, you know, they incorporated... Yeah. I mean, they were never fully cool with like speaking in tongues, but they were like getting to like places where they were cool with like new ways of doing faith with like these authentic outpourings with like revivals, like we, like the Asbury revival, you know? And they were like really on board with that stuff. And then now that like deconstruction became a buzzword, they're like, they're, they're, whole they're they're bringing all their troops in they're they're putting up the walls and they're yeah, like double yeah. doubling down and saying oh my god we got to protect our youth from this like deconstruction is the devil and you you can't look at the bible any different way you got to believe the same things that we have taught you yeah. you have to follow church tradition otherwise you're gonna just like go and you're gonna like believe heresy and you're not gonna get into heaven like they just it's kind of crazy how legalistic they became so fast. Like they like turned on a dime as soon as crazy. Um, as soon as the stats started turning against them of people leaving their churches. But it it, it comes out of a place of fear because yeah, they're now the the cynical me lose. believes that some of the some of it comes out of loss of money. Well, you of, know, losing attendance and losing tithe dollars. I'd say the people um, at the top. Yeah, sure. I I agree. Similar to politics and similar to fascism. It's not the people, the everyday people, the old grandmas that are scared of it. I don't think that they're worried about the tithe money. They're they're, they're worried about people's souls. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, a lot of the pastors are stoking that fear. They play off of that for selfish gain. Like, yeah, Greg Locke, Driscoll. I mean, the list is goes on and on. So. No, totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, like where there's money to be made, there's going to be grifters for sure. Um, seems like church is a very easy grift, honestly. I know! <laughs> it's unfortunate. It's just like so easy to get. I mean, that's why there's so many cults that exist. It's like when you when you get people to believe something about a higher power and about God and about themselves, like it's just so easy to milk them for all they're worth. And it sucks. Because like I, you know, I'm not like a hard like anti-theist or like a hard atheist where like I don't think that there's any possibilities of supernatural stuff. Like I, I'm open to those possibilities, and I think like spirituality in general can be so beautiful. And it just sucks that like the vast majority of spirituality throughout. Well, I'm not gonna say throughout all of history because that's ignoring um non, mostly non-Western religions, and yeah. non-organized religions. Yes. Um, but the vast majority of like Western Christianity and the fo- the subsequent religions have just like all been used to grift. Yeah. 
And I'm going to say the majority. I, I think the majority of those religions have been. I think the majority of pastors or the majority of like um, the use of organized religion has been used to grift. And and that's a hotter take, I think. Like not saying that the majority of all Christians or all spiritualists or whatever are grifting, but like. I mean, I think it's definitely at, yeah. every type of organized religion has at least had some grifters in it. Yeah. I mean, LDS church, early evangelicalism. Yeah. Fucking Catholic church in Europe. I mean, God. Yeah. No, totally. Totally. Jeez Louise. Well, call your, uh, I've got to make dinner. So I have <laughs> right. to wrap up, unfortunately. But is there anything oh, else sure. you want to share before we finish? Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, I think this was a fun conversation. I'm glad we could crack head a catch little. up and yeah, get back. Yeah, get back to a uh, kind of non-focused episode. This is fun. So hopefully wait, if wait, you're wait. listening still, you found it fun. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> Wait. This is what this is what the kids do now. I know. The heart. I got to I know. It's I, I got to get more dextrous in my fingers. Yeah. Yeah, pump the dextat. Yeah. Got the strength. Um <laughs> So. Um yeah. What have you been listening Any, uh, to? Yeah, okay. So Man, um I've been recently listening to like albums all the way through. Yes. The biggest one, I mean, so obviously, um, Guts. By Olivia, <gasps> That's what Olivia I was going to say. <laughs> fucking incredible. Um, sorry, you can talk more about that. Okay, okay, a, okay. Um, uh, Renee Rapp's album. It's so um, good. So fucking good. Oh my God. Yeah, that one is killer. Like, I, I listened to it for the first time a few weeks ago. Um, Snow Angel is the album name. My favorite song is. I don't know. I need to listen to it more. I love Poison Poison. That one is just so good. Yeah. I just love yeah. the vibe of it. It's so badass. Um, yeah, so I listened to that album. I listened to uh, Mitski's new album. It's really good as well. I've heard a single off the new Mitski. I need to listen to it all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, Maisie Peters' new album is really good too. Okay, send me that. Um, I don't know. I don't know Maisie Peters. Yeah, there's just there's a lot of like women that are just like putting out some Telling fire the game. albums right now yeah yeah what about you man uh dude um it it has been mostly like i listen to a lot of singles to be honest with you um mm-hmm. uh so just like specifically i'm really excited for the new jacob collier out al- album jesse volume four his single uh, "Well" with four L's is really good. It's weird because Jacob. I don't know if you ever listen to Jacob Collier, but like they're very mm-hmm. orchestral, very acoustic folk. Um, they made yeah. like a metal song, huh? Don't know. Okay. It's just weird. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, yeah Taylor and I have just been binging guts, and I was not. Oh yeah. Olivia Rodrigo did not write her first album for me. It was written for a middle school girl. I'm, you know, it just. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not that I don't like the music. It's just like it did not mm. relate to me, at all. And yeah, I'm not. I'm it. not hating on it. I'm just saying that like it. It just did not feel like I was the target audience. But for mm. some reason, 
guts got me. Ballad of a homeschool girl like speaks to me. <laughs> yeah. What are your like what are your tops from top songs from this album? Okay, these are my top three, and I don't. It's, not, it's hard. They're so fucking good, yeah. dude. I, like, my, mine switches every day. Okay, <laughs> these are my top three, and Taylor told me these are hot takes. Are you ready? Ooh, okay. And they're yeah. going in order. In order, okay. Okay. I, I'm not gonna do in order because I don't. I'm I'm gonna have trouble even doing a top three. But okay. Okay. Uh, three is Ballad of Homeschool Girl. Okay. Two is Get Him Back. Okay. And this is my hot take, Collier. My number one is pretty isn't pretty. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think that's a bad choice at all. Like I love that song. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. No, I mean it's a little bit of a hot take. I it's so hard too because like it's always it can be tough, especially with like TikTok and YouTube and just like think places that you hear one more than others a lot of times, you know, those can get like oversaturated in your mind yes um so that's what makes it hard to i man this is really hard for me uh ballad of a homeschool girl is definitely up there pretty isn't pretty is definitely one of my tops as well um i feel like depends on what mood i'm in teenage dream is one of my tops i really yes if i'm in a sad mood I, i like that one a lot man Oh, there's so many fucking good ones. Um, I mean, I really like All American Bitch. I love that <laughs> one. Taylor loves that one. Fuck, it's it's hard. Yeah, Ballad it of goes hard. Girl is up there for sure. That's just like my favorite type of music. It's got the good bass line. It's got like the the vibe of the two thousands grungy pop punk. Rock. Pop yeah. punk. Yeah, no, I mean, all of them are so good. Yeah. We got it on... Taylor pre-ordered it on vinyl immediately as soon as it was announced. Oh, oh, did you get one of the uh, secret songs? Yeah. Which one is on yours? I have no idea. You have to have okay. Taylor. <laughs> I haven't... I actually haven't listened to all of the uh, the secret ones in their entirety. I should go back There's and like... Those. There's a lesbian one Well, because on they're not on Spotify, but... Yeah, one of them seems very... Yeah. Yeah. Very queer. Code. No, I wouldn't be surprised if she's bi for sure, but either way, yeah, pretty queer. Women code. are pretty. Queer code, I yeah. would be bi too. Yeah. I just love that this type of music is mainstream because it's my favorite type of music, man. I love yeah. like the sort of 2000s, like grungy, pop punk, alt rock type of stuff. It's just so fun. Like the 2000s movies one. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm trying to make a playlist. I'm compiling a playlist. Uh, currently... Currently, it's on my profile, and it's called, let's see, Spotify is difficult to find playlists now. Uh, currently, it's called it To Be Decided, because I can't think of the name, <laughs> but it's a lot of those type of songs, um, like Black Sheep from Scott, uh, Scott Pilgrim. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah! Hello, hello. Take Me Away, hello. Fr- the Freaky Friday song. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, that's my favorite type of music, is yeah. that specific genre of, like, songs Usually female-led alt rock pop punk songs that are like written for two thousands coming of age movies. They're so good. Uh, yeah, a two thousand a generic two thousands coming of age movie soundtrack is what it should be called. Yeah, something like that. 
yeah, that's my, yeah, so that's my, uh, that's our music media recommendations. Um, I'm going to see Boy Genius next week. Yes! When this podcast comes out, probably I will have already seen it. So I'm super I'm so excited about that. Oh my God. And it's with Muna too, so. Oh my God! Yeah, it's going to be the fucking best concert. You know Phoebe's going to come out and help him sing, uh. Oh, I'm uh, sure. Yeah. I've seen, yeah, like, Julian came out and helped him one time. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else I saw. There was recently at their show in Boston, um, Hozier came out with Boy oh Genius. Did you see that? No. For their last song, Salt in the Wound, the um, oh, wow. one that sounds like uh, uh, Graves in the Gardens, but better. Um, yeah. Hozier came out and, like, sang with them on the last chorus because I guess he was in Boston. So, that's amazing. <laughs> Incredible. All right. Well, I have to make dinner. All right. So yeah, go get dinner. Go set it up. Yeah. Uh, and we will catch up again soon. You say it. <laughs> go live it. Go be it. Yeah. <laughs>